trying to give us a rally speech right now. Make sure to put on that sunscreen and mind those solar flares here on Doom Patrol Radio. Yeah, I'm recording now. We're going to talk. You remember when we would do cold opens? That was a thing. We would just talk and banter and I would put it at the beginning of the episode, huh? What an idea. You know, it seems like yesterday we were doing cold opens. Welcome back, nobody. It's your favorite Doom Patrol Radio podcast this side of the painting. My name is Mark. And my name is Nathan. And today we're talking about episode two of season three called Vacay Patrol, written by Tom Farrell and directed by Christopher Manley. Yeah, Veterans that's of where the, the show. Where yeah. the uh, uh, applause noise can Everybody applause applaud applause right comes now. In. Yeah. You know what? That'd be a great neon sign to have in your bedroom, huh? Just an applause a- sign. Someone's probably made a sex joke about it, and it probably got them very famous, you know, added into their quick five. But... In a type real five. world situation, yeah, tight. Okay, all right. In a real world situation, I want that sign. Get me the applause sign. <laughs> I'll be Put a real your, freak your, about uh, it. Your Amazon wish list on your on your OnlyFans account. That's hey, that's not a bad idea, you know. And I was gonna say I'll be a real freak about it and like get. I want, I want the classic Jay Leno light up applause sign. And have then- we talked about how like if friends had OnlyFans? There should be a way that you could sub to it to help them out, but not see their con see their content. Oh, like I think a, that would be like a great a, idea. I understand what you mean, like a mm. like a like a I blind. Gonna say, sub. I was gonna, yeah, blind sub. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, yeah, I guess where you can just like Venmo them money. Yeah, every month, right? Mail Dom looking for a blind sub. Anyways, let's talk about today's episode. <laughs> You're not too wrong about that my Let's friend keep it going so today's episode vacate patrol what a fun episode this was, this was what a man heavy episode doc huh heavy i thought it was there were times where i was very my heart was very full and um there were times where i was shedding a tear and there were also times where i'm like jesus christ the acting chops on all of these people in this show <laughs> Yeah, it, um... Holy shit, blowing me out of the water with this acting in this episode. I will say it was, like, a really... You know how yesterday, or yesterday, last episode, we talked about how they should do a Therapy therapy Patrol 2, right? Like a sequel. Yeah, exactly. That's what this episode felt like as Vacay Patrol, like a Vacation Patrol. It felt like, especially when they're in the dance hall... Uh, the bang bang room that's what they called it there's was it was it bang bang room was it bing bang room was it bing, big bang room it was the bing, bing there was an room. n in there right there was, i wish it was the bing bong room hey bing bong you know that's <laughs> hey that's my kind of party huh um i thought it was the the bing bang room the and bing bang the big bang theory yeah. room jeez i was going to say you better keep me the hell away from that room huh i'm running in the opposite direction Yes, so uh, that's, yeah, where that conversation happens, it's a big part of the episode because it's a p- big progression for the Doom Patrol, all of them. And I was thinking it felt very much like Therapy, therapy Patrol where they're trying to figure out now that they've gotten this far into their lives throughout the show, like now what is it that they're trying to get to next? And I know we talked a little bit about it yesterday because we had the death of Niles Calder and they're all starting to react to it. And now they're starting to try to live without him. And they have that great moment with Crazy Jane and Rita Farr talking about like, you know, he came in, he ruined our lives, and then he just left. And now they're having some sort of existential crisis where they're trying to figure out 
so what do we do now? And the strange thing about it is, is all these different characters come from different backgrounds, but in some way they've all been engineered to be the Doom Patrol, to be a superhero team against supervillains. And this episode just presents it in a way of like, yeah, you guys were born and bred to do this. And now if you don't do it, they feel some conflicting sense of like, what do I do with my life? If I, if I, if I feel angry about being a superhero, but then I also don't feel a sense of purpose. Then what, what is going on? How do I cycle through that? And that's, and that's what this for. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's what this episode's about. But uh, let's start it with some super villains because that's how this episode starts out with. And um, boy, oh boy, Mark, were we waiting <laughs> for it? And gosh darn it, they delivered. Man, uh, let's start. 1949, The Brotherhood of Evil. We've got the one or the two, the only Brain and Monsieur Mala. Now, Brain, I couldn't find the voice actor for. But I could find the, 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 the special guest for all the other characters. Monsieur Mala, played by, uh, voiced by Jonathan Lippo. And then, of course, we have Gargoax the Decimator, played by Stephen Murphy. And then check this out. Samuelson. Oh, I'm checking it. Billy Boyd. That was, man, that was a pleasant what a surprise. What a surprise, huh? What a, what a oh, great wow. surprise. What, and like what I said, acting chops, literally. This episode was stacked yes stacked even with our even with our normal cast um hitting it out of the park firing on all cylinders literally just as good as a therapy patrol it was it this was our therapy patrol part two and you know redact my sentence right now if there is a therapy patrol part two but we got it we we wanted it and man did we get it yeah it's it's when I say it was a very fun episode, it just it it did everything in such a thrilling way. Like every character arc that we were going through, everything that was going on with the villains, the story of Gargoax and Samuelson as they're at this Codsville family resort, which it, it's just it was just done like that term that we use where it just feels effortless, like how smooth the transitions are. And how smooth that they can make it. Because the more you watch it, the more you can see how they get things to line up. Like, they do everything with Gargoax, and they cut over to Rita Farr, and then they cut over to Cyborg, and then they're, like, thinking about having a vacation, and then it just steamrolls. The whole episode just starts to, like, snowball all the way to the finish line. And it's like, wow, that was fantastic. And you get every single concept that they're trying to talk about. And then with Larry Trainer. He has his own like subplot in this episode dealing with the negative spirit and possibly the homeworld of the negative spirit. Um, that I might kick it over to you because I don't know much about that that angle. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the negative spirit has had a name before in maybe the Gerard Way comic books, but Yeah. That whole yeah, that um, whole bit is a question mark. But Keegan, again, I get the I get the concept. I get the idea of you know in the past seasons we've tried to understand the context of Larry Trainer at least the negative spirit has is tried to show him the context of his life and then now my guess would be that now the negative spirit is like okay we've seen your life now look at mine yeah that's i think that's what i was going to try to go for look we've been living in your home for the past 70 years or whatever and now let's like take a walk on the wild side we're gonna go to space home <laughs> um yeah so i think that's where it was supposed to be um and sort of a um this is like i, th- I thought it was really cool if we're just gonna jump into the larry trainer stuff right there as he was uh in space and walked into the nebula we're gonna call it yes don't really know if it was the exact home world from the new Gerard Way series because that was like an actual like Oa type alien planet government mm-hmm. weird thing um and w- w- when he walked up into that into into the space 
the bandages came off and he was normal Matt Bomber, Larry Trainer. Um, and I kind of took that as a, um, this is how I see you when you're here. This is how I see you. And hey, bad news, what you need to figure out is this is how you see yourself. And then it kind of switched it on him. It was like, you're mm. like horrified by yourself, man. Like I'm here. I'm just this energy cloud, bro. I'm living life. I'm doing me. Uh, you need to figure out how to do you and like be okay with who you are because I've clearly gotten there. And if we're going to be together, you got to get on the same page, buddy. So maybe yeah. you need to take time to yourself and not have me around to try to like, you know, push you or or, or be negging or whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> yeah, be negative. <laughs> you know, not just to be like negative, takes, but you got to figure this out. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, and, and take some time for yourself and and be okay with who you are. You've been yeah. like being depressed. We've been being depressed for you know years on years. Like I can't do the depression thing anymore, man. If you still want to go sulk, sulk for a couple more weeks. Give have a couple more cries, but like. We got to, come on, man. The world's still turning, guy. We got to go. We got things to do. You got a job. There's plants. There's a kitchen, (laughs) a full kitchen downstairs, guy. Come on. Become the best chef ever, wrapped in bandages. Do it. No, I I think that's like, that's literally where all of the Doom Patrol is at right now. It's like, is, is feeling lost now that Niles is gone, but like also isn't that what you wanted? Like they got what they wanted. Now's is gone. Good riddance. And now they're just like, well, what now? What should I do? What can I do? And it becomes this whole thing. And I think what's going on with the rest of the doom patrol at the Cosville resort is also what Larry's going through, but he has to do a little bit more internally. And that's very similar to what happened to robot man and crazy Jane in cult patrol when they were speaking to the architects which were the mother and father of um the unwritten book which was like the kid who was like the antichrist or something like that (laughs) and they the architects make robot man and crazy jane like see themselves for how they view themselves or how they see each other and then it ended up just being like a um Robot Man being looking like all bloody and like a monster and Kay Chalice looked like his own daughter, Clara. And they were kind of like, this is how you see me. This is how I see you. Um, And just that whole episode that happened like that, it's very similar to how the negative spirit and Larry Trainer are kind of having this conversation, or at least the negative spirit is telling him. And it's up to uh, Larry Trainer to, to understand that, to interpret it. And let um, me tell you, I cannot tell you how much I love that Larry Trainer's whole shtick is get your shit together. I <laughs> cut it reflects yeah. so much on me personally. Like I, uh, uh, what do you call it? Relate to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like so and- hard. Sometimes it's like, oh, geez, this is like a mirror, and like I just like hear it in the back of my head of just you know, quit it quit doing what you're doing you see what you're doing man you need to stop and you know denying all the the help that comes at your way anyway i like you know this idea of of writing negative man as a pessimistic person as a negative person uh, to himself at least and that i think that's one of the kind of double entendre like things that you do with the character is just not only is he dealing with this negative spirit but he also has a negative spirit mentally. So it's always a great thing the way they, they write him. And his makeup, they, the season three makeup, you know, they got to update the, the makeup that they do, the prosthetics that they do for Matt Bomber. Looks fantastic. Absolutely amazing. Really but they, did. I mean, they have to do it for Garguax and, and Samuelson as well. So let's kick it back over to the villains real quick again. Um, let's do some, I'm, I'm hoping to see more of Brain and Monsieur Mala for what we saw of them in the episode. Fantastic stuff. I think to me, it's just a win-win situation no matter what. Just seeing them in live action, talking to each other, some comedic humor written for the characters as they deal with technology is 
always a smart thing to do. And I hope to see more of them. That's all I'm going to say about them. Yeah, I am just so insanely happy we just got this little bit. Even so, um, let me ask you something. How did you uh, how did you like the way they looked? How did you like the way they sounded? I love this. I love the voice. I know we. I think we mentioned we were we were really fingers crossing to have that like robotic, distorted, Watambor esque voice. Is that a <laughs> reference you can say normally? Do people un- people don't understand that? Do you understand when like someone's talking and you want to like vocoder or like you know distort it or whatever? You just give them the old. The old Wat Tambor treatment. I think people Yeah, the get old it the now. old Confederacy hero, huh? Let's see, that movie will be twenty years old soon. Jesus so Christ. It will people, be next year. Yeah, next year it'll be twenty years old. So people should know Attack of the Clones. And it's got a tight it's got a timeless name, so people gotta know about it. Twenty years Everybody ago I was it. found in a parking lot at the end of Attack of the Clones, playing with my light up lightsaber. And getting laughed at by kids that were walking by, going to their cars with their parents. <laughs> Twenty years ago, baby, still going strong. Um, yeah, anyway. I love the voices. I, I, I love, love the, the voices. voices. It's it's so good. It, it 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 cannot fail for me. Just seeing them here finally. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the in the signal. it was in the forties, in the fifty late forties. So hopefully, it's not. I don't know. Hopefully, they're timeless. Yeah, there's um and and seeing like the signal that that Gargoax and Samuelson deal with throughout the episode. To see it ringing again and then Madame Rouge shows up again. There's something I'm kind of hoping that they're still out there, that they've escaped. I mean, that's kind of what's going on here with these characters, well, especially in Doom Patrol. If we know anything of our past comic book reading that there was a time where Mr. Nobody I don't want to say disbanded but did away with the Brotherhood of Evil title and created the Brotherhood of Dada which you know is going to be in a few more episodes that we'll cover um, at this time but maybe the Brotherhood of Evil is just maybe it is one of those things like how the past 40s doom patrol is you know mento and all them stuff and that is fitting because they were their villains yes i would love to see the brain and and monsieur mala monsieur mala however you want to do the pronunciation i'm white um <laughs> i would love i would just i i want to see more of the two of them yeah um and i think what they could have been alluding to with Cliff's issue is who else is another brain and a robot? I mean, yeah, that can help him out. So that could be another hat tip to hopefully these characters uh, coming back. I felt that Mala looked a little like uh, a CW gorilla, a la Grodd. And <laughs> I'm, I'm not upset about that because that was fine. I was fine with that being a television gorilla. I'm okay mm-hmm. with it. I'll tell you one thing. They spent all their money on that goddamn King Shark in that first season of Flash. That's for damn sure. Yeah. They blew their whole load on that thing. And for what? I, I like, I mean, I think, so they do a great job with limiting the special effects in this TV show. And I noticed that a lot with Rita Farr because they have April Bowlby doing a lot of ADR, and, but then they can kind of hide Rita's body in so many ways and then when they need to they can do a little bit of special effects for Rita's body especially when she's a blob and a puddle let's be nice okay we'll do a puddle Miss Puddle mm-hmm. so <laughs> that's another thing we have to get to is the, the nicknames that, that they come up with are so quick for Cyborg and Rita but um Monsieur Mala is on camera, so they have to do the visual effects. And I was very impressed with Monsieur Mala's, you know, digital body that they've created and, and looking at the eyes and the movement. Ooh, just like a digital body? That's like something, that's how Daft Punk hits on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the Tron Legacy sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, Damn, put me in that movie. I want to get hit yeah. on by Daft Punk, huh? 
You think if they do a sequel, they'll bring Daft Punk back? Be like, hey, you guys actually have to get back together because Disney's making another movie and you guys have Disney's, to be in Disney's it. Disney's making Daft Punk get back. Hey, Imagine you had me a Tron boops and beeps. sequel with no yeah. Daft Punk. How do you do that? Who are you going to get? I don't think that could possibly exist. There's no, there's no feasible way that a Tron sequel could ever be made without Daft Punk. Let's yeah. be honest with everybody. You guys have to come back. You have to rebuild that robot you blew up. At the end of that YouTube video. Flynn lives, yeah, better, harder, faster, and stronger. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's the sequel name. You I figured it out. I think that is the sequel name. That's pretty good. They should pay me money. <laughs> so, yeah, everything looked good about the characters. I'm hoping to see them again. Obviously, Robot Man's dealing with some robot issues, and mm -hmm. Brain and Monster Mala are on the table, mm -hmm. and... Mm -hmm. Just like this episode, there's been a lot of references to other stories from the comics. And man, was I writing them down. There's a lot of stuff in here. First things first is Gargoax, the Decimator. Not only is he from the 1964 Arnold Drake run of Doom Patrol, uh, he also seems like a familiar face in other comics. I don't know if... Blast uh, from the past. <laughs> He, uh, well, let's talk about his, his actual comic book history first. Um, yeah, the Arnold Drake, Doom Patrol run, he was kind of like how he was meant to be portrayed in this episode where this is a subversion of his character. So he's supposed to be the eater of worlds, this alien supervillain that the Doom Patrol have to come in and stop. And then later on during the later 80s, like the dark age of comic books, the modern age, uh, do you remember the invasion run for DC where they did invasion and it was a all-inclusive DC run that included all the different comic book runs that they had at the time. And Paul Kupperberg was writing the 1980s version of Doom Patrol at the time. And... The Doom Patrol got wrapped up in Invasion. Gargoax was brought in as well because there was a bunch of aliens being involved. So they took all the aliens that, all the alien villains that have been in DC Comics at the time, and they gave Gar Gargoax to the Invasion run. And he does some shady stuff and whatnot. But then the aftermath of Invasion is that Paul Kupperberg knows that Grant Morrison is coming in. And Grant Morrison wants this character, this character, and that character to write his story. So Paul Kupperberg kills off certain members of the Doom Patrol. Gargoax is taken out as well. And it forms a reset, a reboot for Grant Morrison's run. So that's what happens in Invasion. And then if you guys have seen Young Justice Season 2, they adapted the Invasion run as well in their own way. But that Invasion run of Season 2, that's where that comes from, from that DC Comics um, uh, epic event like all-inclusive event Gargoax the Decimator kind of reminds people of Drax the Destroyer right like this these are one of those things similar to Doom Patrol and X-Men you have Drax the Destroyer who seems a lot like Gargoax the Decimator and that's intentional that those that that's comic books basically that's how it happens um, we steal from each other the guy who plays Gargoax, let me make sure I say his name correctly, Stephen Murphy, mm -hmm. he walks and talks and acts a lot like, you know, Drax the Destroyer from Guardians of the Galaxy, played by Dave Bautista. There you go. Sorry. Slipped my mind. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's okay. Dave Bautista. Sometimes and he wears tiny glasses and you can't tell it's him. Yeah. I was like cycling through all the wrestlers that have been in superhero movies nowadays. But yeah, just like Jack's Destroyer played by Dave Bautista. And I noticed that as well. I was like, it seems like he's very much playing that, that same kind of character, which is, you know, a great thing if you're alluding to comic book history and, and similar comic book characters from different publications. That was really cool to see. And then you even see like as he travels through time, from 1949 to 1964, which is when Doom Patrol started. That's one reference again, another one. And then another one was Codsville Family Resort. I don't know if you caught this, Nate, but 
on the lettering on the actual resort, the Codsville is missing an S. It had fallen off. So it only said Codville. Mm. And then that made me think oh, of... Oh, check it out. Yeah. Like page Cod. one. Yeah, from Grant Morrison. Um, I think it was issue 20 of, of Doom Patrol. Crawling from the Wreckage Part 2, mm-hmm. where it does the whole Thank Cod bit. Mm-hmm. And it made me think, like, oh, that's the Cod. That's, that's a reference to, to that storyline. And it's not really a reference to anything that happens. It was just like this little insert that happens um, that I guess involves Mr. Nobody, but we'll get to that later. Then when Robot Man is in the sauna with Gargoax, there's a line that Robot Man drops about, you know, I've somehow like crawling, you know, from under the wreckage and it's like right on the nose. (laughs) Right on the money. Yeah. So it's really cool. They just like tie in all of these things and Hey, you know what? I'm here for it. I'm really here for it. Um, this resort, what a awesome place uh, to go visit, and it and it got I felt very uh, like shining vibes, not mm-hmm. murdery shining vibes, but but um, alone in a big resort vibes. Um, and hey, Tom, you, your horror is showing. Uh, so <laughs> hats off. Uh, it was great. It felt really cool. Um, the emptiness, the haziness of everything, all the rooms that they were in felt dated, but it was still 2021. Um, and it even still felt like I was stuck in Gargoax's 1949. Um, it was really cool. Um, that backbone thing, however, right over my head. Not sure what it is, other than just like a... Um, like uh, community self help building thing that you that you see at at a community center or something at a, at a at a at a work retreat or something of the nature. I'm not entirely sure. And the whole Nixon thing, I don't. I'm not smart enough for Nixon jokes. That's the problem. I never get Nixon <laughs> jokes. And it's just like I don't. I got the one from Forrest Gump, and that's easy. You know, yeah. they got the flashlights on over there. Yeah, it's funny. It's very funny, um, but I don't get all the other Nixon jokes, so it miss was, me with yeah. that. The some of the easier ones where Rita Farr was was doing the clay sculpting, you know, trying to find structure. Crazy Jane in the labyrinth, which is the little pebble stone maze that she was in, sitting in and trying to center herself and feeling lost. A lot of those were obvious. Cyborg, trying to use old technology as a way to communicate. Very on the nose. With Cliff Steele and Backbone, first of all, I don't... I understand, like, maybe having flexibility to vault over this tall ladder. I've never tried it. Uh, I'd probably be afraid to try it, although I think I could probably do it. Maybe it's one of those things. Maybe it's one of those exercises that's meant to look easy until you do it, and then you realize... It's actually very difficult, and maybe that's... Is that the thing? Is that the Nixon joke? Like, he, the, his, his career was going up the backbone, but, like, he resigned after he got to the top and just, like, fell down, like he couldn't go back down. I don't know. I don't know. That there's seems... something there. <laughs> there's, like a, there's, like, a metaphorical thing going on with this backbone that I'm trying to figure I'm out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I didn't get it, and I'm sure it's a very good joke. I'm sure it's an incredible reference. Um, it's probably. I want like, to get it. Someone, please explain it to me. Yeah, I need to be I on think, the same page. Because I think you're supposed to climb the ladder, mm-hmm. and then vault over, and then climb back down, like an army thing. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I understand it in Cliff's case where it's like his robot body is starting to be challenging, but I think it's a it's more than just a physical thing. I think it's more than just like, oh yeah, your body is. You're going through something, and you need to get it fixed out. Changes. David Bowie. I think the mental fortitude that it takes to actually climb over this backbone, I think that's the issue. I think that's the problem. Oh, it's like a psychological thing? Yeah, there's like a psychological hill that he must climb over, and I think that's the issue that we have to get to it. 
Why it's called the backbone? Not sure. I don't know the history of it. And I certainly don't get the Nixon joke. <laughs> Looks like a backbone. Yeah. Um, and then Billy Boyd. How... How and why? How how did how did how did we get Billy Boyd? How were we lucky enough get. to get? Yeah, I mean Brendan Fraser was a get. Everybody's know. a get. Timothy Dalton was a get. Yeah, right. Got, I got James Bond talking in a Reese's cup. I'm never gonna forget <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm so happy you guys gave that to me. Yeah, Mark <laughs> Shepard as Willoughby Kipling. Nobody, Mister Nobody. Sorry, in my lapse of decorum, but yeah. Great casting, great guest guest casting and everything. And even Kay Chalice is starting to get some real credit here. Sky Roberts, who plays Kay Chalice, she is very prominent in this episode. There there seems to be a, definitely a show in progress that's happening in this show. And, you know, now you've got Kay Chalice looking after Crazy Jane and, and having all these other personalities starting to work together. There seems like there's a bit of healing that's happening. And it's a lot of healing. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, I think now it's, there's a sense of healing and then like, okay, we've taken one step. Now let's take another step. Let's Mm -hmm. start to walk. And I think that's the tricky part is where they go. I took a step. Shouldn't my problems be fixed now? Dude, I know a great claymation movie that will help you with this problem. I can't remember. Is it the Jack Frost movie? One foot in front. It's the one with the. It's he's he's young Santa Claus. Is it young Santa Claus? I don't know what the or titles of these movies are called. Are you Rudolph. Talking about, oh, I got talking, that one. Yeah, and then the the year without a Santa Claus. There's that one too. Is that the one where he teaches Jack Frost how to walk? No, I don't think so. I don't think Jack mm. Frost. You got no. That's the one with. Uh, heat I don't think miser. Jack Frost was ever in a wheelchair. <laughs> Someone with heat miser in it. But no, I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah. And just great stuff from, you know, Sky Roberts as, as Kate Chalice and everything that's going on in that world. Um, I thought that was fantastic. I think it was great to see, you know, you have one, one persona on the outside, which was the secretary, but then on the inside you have crazy Jane talking to Kate Chalice, who Kate Chalice is the one looking outside, you know, that idea of Kate Chalice now starting to want to encourage her personalities to do something that's that's the progress where again similar to the negative spirit and larry trainer you have this inner voice telling you what you should do and why you should do it and motivating you to do it because when crazy jane says you want us to be this doom patrol so badly but we don't want to be that Sure, that cyborg is saying that on the outside, but on the inside, your inside voices are telling you that as well, Negative Spirit and Kate Chalice. That is where it resonates because you have this inner voice who is you and wants the best thing for you. I think that's where they really excel in in the storytelling here because all of these characters are struggling in that same regard, but internally they're all thinking the same way on the same wavelength. And hey, on on some messed up level and on some level that they possibly don't want, um, that's what makes them a super team. Yeah. Right. And and the, and, the, and they got every they got each other's backs. There's there's a loving and caring relationship f- from everybody in this house. It really is. And, you know, if you wanna call it their common ground is loss of respect for Niles Calder okay I'll give that to you but there's there's growth from that and it's seen blatantly especially in this episode hell we got a dance scene yeah they're really getting their uh dance choreographers uh are getting paid in 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 this series especially with uh last week's possibilities patrol and then this episode with vacay patrol Getting a lot of dance choreography in, I tell you that. I'm here um, for it. I think I think it's similar to what we talked about on another podcast that we do, but it's like this idea of, you know, Silas Stone and Niles Calder and the Quorum and Star Labs, all these things where they've made people into superheroes to be superheroes. 
there's a difference between having to be a superhero and wanting to be one. And I think that might be the the hill that they're trying to climb over is I understand I've been created to be a superhero, but I don't want to be. And I think that's the change that needs to happen for them is the want to be that. I understand that Rita Farr tried to do that and, and failed, but that's part of growth is, is you try again and, and continue to want to try and be better. And that's a problem that Robot Man is facing where he doesn't want to do anything. He doesn't want to admit any of the wrongs in his life, any of his issues that he's got to deal with. And he's like literally shutting down as a robot. So he has to admit and progress and want to be better. And it's motivated by his peers and it's motivated by his daughter, Clara. It's motivated by everyone around him. Like you need help. You need to get healthier. You need to want to be better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference between you need to get better and you should want to be better because people want you to continue to be in their lives. That's exactly what Clara is trying to pass the message off to Robot Man or Cliff without being confrontational. Hey, if Luke Skywalker was there, he'd say, Cliff, you have a bad motivator. Am I right? <laughs> that joke works on too many levels. <laughs> um, let's talk about the quorum real quick. We talked about how... Wait, hang on. Didn't Cliff also wear a Bad Brains t-shirt at one point? I think he did. Right? If not... By the way, the... he had a Toadie shirt on today, and that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that one. I, was, I had to cycle through all his, his t-shirts. They should really sell some of those t-shirts. I really want some of those. That, yeah, go to a Hot Topic. What do you mean? Well, no, not a Toadie shirt, but like, you know, tune in, drop in, drop dead kind of thing. Okay, yeah, Hello World. Anyways, Hello World. Yeah, let me get one of those t-shirts. Let me get the uh, leather jacket with the metal shoulder pads. Yeah, for real. They're selling, they need to start doing, they need to start selling that at Hot Topic. I saw that they have like a, um, there's like a, there's like a faux leather Harley Quinn jacket. That's like a cosplay whole rack of them. I mean, yeah, I understand it's Harley Quinn and stuff, but like the fact that they're selling cosplay ready, like off off the rack, that's insane Mm -hmm. to me. That's insane to me. You go to Spirit Halloween, there's a whole wall dedicated to harley quinn and all her different outfits and i'm like no wonder the characters so beloved so marketable like here's all the outfits they do the same thing with the uh, cruella for disney and it's like here's really all is the marketable huh and yeah, not to be and outfits. i don't know if this is going down a weird a weird tangent or whatever but like think about um and this is this is really probably ignorant to talk about but gender uh uh, gen- gender labeled of these characters. So, like a female clown. Who else is it other than Harley Quinn? I mean, yeah, Joker is always marketable in in the sense of clown. Yes, are but scary you can still have this- regular clown, and you can still have Pagliacci. Regular clown <laughs> being, I don't know, Rainbow Afro or something. You know, big red yeah, shoes, like a legit clown. Here, put on red this nose. emergency clown nose. You're being a clown. Yeah. Put on these <laughs> with this patch you act like a clown. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No, it, um, I, I don't know. I think it's. I think anyway, it's that was cool. That, I think it's just awesome. my. It's it's incredible. It's incredible for the yeah. character, and I love that we live in this world where <laughs> where the things that I would get made fun of when I was a child are now just so marketable and so mainstream mm-hmm. that it's just widely acceptable, and. I mean, I don't know if other people feel that. Obviously, it's a conversation that we've had before, but I think the, you know, greater populace is having now of pop culture things. It's all like comic book stuff. I mean, it's it's cool. I love this world. I love that we can we can live in it. Again, it just goes back to my. I am always remembered of us sitting in in one of your old apartments in a spare room on the on the floor and. Someone asking what we want to see. We said live action Doom Patrol. Pipe dream. We did say that. We did. Pipe that was dream. A, that was so. On the yeah, yeah. Years ago. Years ago. 
Four years ago. Wow. Never thought it would happen. What a weird... Yeah, what a weird reality. No, I do I do love that DC is finally embracing, as capitalistic as it sounds, that, that it can market its pop culture of DC characters to the, you know, how people want to represent themselves and, and being like, yeah. yeah, Harley Quinn's actually very marketable. And it's like, yeah. And then also, on top of that, you're also starting to write the character as a really good character and not being stuck in this toxic relationship and being, you know, Joker's girlfriend and all these other weird ways that, that she's been handled. They really turned around the character and, and made her her own thing. And now she's, I mean, I, I, I'd argue she's second to Batman as far as pop culture goes for DC Comics. She's, she's up there. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the biggest female superhero in general comic book character. I know superhero is a loose term for her anti-hero, but the biggest one, um, because I, again, when I was in that spirit Halloween store, it was rare to see Wonder Woman. You had to look for, for the costume and it was all in pieces. It was, you know, there, the shield was over here on this aisle and the costume mm-hmm. was over here. And, but the Harley Quinn was like, here's a whole wall. An entire wall for the character. <laughs> Here's everything. You Fantastic. want a mallet? We got 20. Yeah. All, every different weapon, every different outfit. They had the, the Suicide Squad and the regular Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey, like every single outfit. The whole wardrobe was there. Someone wanted to do Halloween for a week, they could they could do each outfit every single mm. day. Mix and match you your know, Harley Quinns. Oh, yeah. Try doing that. That might be cool. Um, Crazy Jane's outfit, the one with the striped sweater. That, Dude. to me... Oh, I think was a reference to issue 63 of Grant Morrison, the final issue that he wrote, which was closure for Crazy Jane. I believe on the cover, she's also wearing that outfit where she is wearing the striped uh, sweater with the leggings. I'm pretty sure that exact outfit, again, is another reference to the comic books, which is fantastic. But yes, what were we going to say, Nate? I thought you were talking about the uh, the outfit of the striped T-shirt and the yellow uh, jacket windbreaker whenever that was um i could have sworn i've seen that outfit somewhere before and maybe it was in a gerard way or a cover or a poster or something or maybe it was from a previous episode but that outfit was on point i want anything yellow honestly anything yellow i feel like if you choose to wear something yellow i'm giving you a round of applause because that's awesome yeah I've really come around to the color. There's a lot of clothing I've seen lately where I've, I've wanted to get it, and I'm like, yeah, I want to get it because it's yellow. So mm-hmm. I think I think the color's coming back. I think we're good. Um, Nate, take it away. Was there anything in the episode that really stood out to you? A lot. Um, I do want to say the acting, for one. There was a lot of just, like, real heavy dialogue in this for me especially when they were arguing with each other before um they all got mad and separated and they came back for the dance number um which goes into 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 rita being like every time she talks or even just talks about herself it's a monologue and i love it and i'm just waiting for someone to just be like okay we get it like enough with the drama like and i'm i'm here for it i can't wait until someone uh like you know gets wise to to the monologue of it but that's not to say i don't like i love the monologues it's great um everybody fighting with each other and just like bringing up points of you know jane bringing up the point that they're not a super team and 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 literally calling cyborg out for what he's doing blatantly what he's doing um Especially about the whole, like, hey, Gargamax is on vacation. Like, let him just turn away. You just did it before with with Ronnie. Do it again. Like, clearly you're not a superhero. We're not superheroes. Let's just enjoy. And Cliff's line of, why can't you just be? I felt that so hard. It's like, he's right. Why can't you just be? Just exist for the moment. Just be there. Look at who you're with. You all decided as a group to go on vacation for some greater purpose. You're talking about the mission is, or that's Gargamex talking about the mission is supposed to serve a greater purpose. Anyway, you're talking about being a super team to go on missions and do these things. Your mission right now is to go relax and to just take a breather. Be you. Be each other. Like, yeah. be with each other. Um, 
And that was just very powerful. Um, all the stuff that Cyborg is going through with, uh, you know, his father pretty much shutting him down. Um, which, by the way, this Victor and Silas relationship is something that I am not used to. And it is something that blows my mind because they are the, uh, you're you're my father, but you're acting like a friend type deal and not even like a friend. It's just like you're acting like a supervisor, uh, just some somebody, some guy that I know that like I can call and, and who can like, you know, give each other gruff, I guess, and tell me I'm wrong or something. It's not like a parental. There's no silas father figure which isn't to anybody's surprise i hope um you know but it's still good that that's that that whole thing with cyborg is just really eating away at him the the need to be this this hero i understand where jane's coming from with um or i understand rather i understand where cyborg's coming from with the need to be the doom patrol or the want to be the doom patrol i get that there's something that you did see in Niles Calder that these other people did not. And, you know, you're not blaming Niles for your thing. You get to blame your father. You just can point the finger at someone else. If your father wasn't there, you know, if he died or anything or whatever, you'd probably be pointing it at Niles or what have you. Um, or if you let it, if you let Niles send you on crazy missions or do whatever, you'd probably be in no better position than the rest of the gang. So I don't know. He's just like fresh meat, right? Anyway. Um, yeah. I just really enjoyed that everybody is still real with each other enough to mm-hmm. tell them to, you know, shut up and, and to fuck off and still be okay with each other to come back and dance and and to dance to Forever Young. And that was amazing. Yeah. The music had definitely a lot of good music in this one, huh? Oh yeah, man. There's a whole oh, boy. Oh boy. Was there music in this one? Let me tell you, they put a perfume genius song in this. There was, it was in the beginning of the, uh, of the episode. It's Valley by perfume genius. Let me tell you, that's, that's cool. That's cool. Whoever's listening to perfume genius over there. That's you're cool. We should hang out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's there was a lot of great. I, I think just the concept in general of where the Doom Patrol as superheroes are, their state of mind, and then also bringing in the supervillains and where they are, their state of mind, and introducing this concept of you know the Doom Patrol. We've always read them as to not be fond of the chief or at least to be used as instruments by the chief. And so it's kind of like the reader voicing their concerns about the chief through reading Doom Patrol. And you're kind of like, this guy isn't that great. Why do they do whatever he says? And then you read the supervillains and like, obviously they don't like Niles Calder and you're kind of looking at it like, well, neither one likes him. So there's some commonality here. And this show, this episode introduces that in in such a way that they play around with yeah you're in a room with a supervillain who hates Niles Calder and you hate Niles Calder shake hands have a beer enjoy each other in, in each other's company it's it's such a strange concept which makes it so smart and it's it's what makes the episode so fun and then to bring it back to what you said about Cyborg you know we touched a little bit about it yesterday about Corum and Ronnie Evers. And we kind of were like, okay, well, they kind of sealed that off quickly, but I'm pretty sure it's going to escalate now because of that little catalyst is going to, you know, set something off. And it does. Like, the plot already thickens for the Corum plot line for Cyborg where you do have Silas coming in and saying, you know, you're no longer an asset of, of star labs we, or you still are an asset. We're, we're just deciding to shut you down. And now he's like, well, I need to be a superhero. I need to be a superhero. And the rest of the doom patrol are just telling him like, you don't need to be, you don't need to do any of this. Like relax, just enjoy your vacation. This eater of worlds is trying to enjoy his lunch. 
leave him be. Like, relax. And even when he tries to be a superhero, it just ends up being too extreme where they're just like... Kid doesn't see? know what he's doing. Yeah, but he feels the he's need doing. to be a superhero because he's been built to be one. So it's this struggle of like, you want to try and act like a superhero? Go ahead, but you're really wasting your time and everyone else's. So just relax. It's a really mm-hmm. smart episode. Really, yeah, really smart the way they took what's already there and, and created this thread and then also just married all these different versions of past iterations of Doom Patrol and made it so fun. Like, obviously, the, the Grant Morrison and even the, the Paul Kupperberg, like, all these things where they're just marrying all these references and starting to bring in the Arnold Drake stuff because, obviously, we're still dealing with the legacy of Niles Calder but it needs to come back with all the villains now that he's gone. Now that our main villain is gone. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see where they go. Um, before we wrap up here, I'm sure people are probably listening to this episode wondering where episode three and four are. But, you know, things happen. People go enjoy their own life. And Nate and I, we don't really want to stress ourselves to talking about Doom Patrol in a way that would make this show... Uh, not as fun either. So if you guys are wondering where episodes three and four are, they're coming in due time. We're taking it where we can really soak in the episodes and really have this conversation between Nathan and I so that we can enjoy talking about it and not feel like we're rushing into it. So enjoy today's episode and definitely check out episode three. When we do talk about it, they should be coming out soon. Like I said, we're just going to revel in the greatness of this show instead of trying to power through it. So If you guys love today's episode, you guys can find us on all social media at Radio Doom Patrol, Facebook, Twitter. You can also find us on DuelingGenre.com where they have a ton of other great shows. And they even have a Patreon where if you support it, you can hear bonus episodes where Nate and I join in as guests as well. You can check that out. And, you know, we'll catch you guys for uh, episode three, which is called Dead Patrol. And without further ado, DJ, please take it away. You enjoyed your stay with us here at the WDPR Resort. Well, most of you anyway. Make sure to leave a sappy review in the guest book before you go, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Bona Tavada, nobodies. Being wrong's a crime I'm serving for.